1: Howdy do.
2: You? Welcome back, Lori and uh, Julia Show, here on My Talk 1071. Everything entertainment. Don't forget, Friday, of course, is the uh, 10th anniversary of Jason and Alexis. 10 years since those two knuckleheads were brought together and. Uh, Can you
3: believe they lasted? I, I
2: know. <laughs> I, I didn't think they'd last more than a couple the of weeks. The morning program. You know? Yeah. yeah. Those, oh, I those crazy I, kids.
3: Th- it just—I can't believe how, where time goes. Yeah. You I know. know. It's kind of fun. Like just yesterday, we were celebrating our 10-year anniversary. I know. That's way just amazing. That. Yeah, we are way <laughs> So there is a fun program
2: planned mm-hmm. for Friday morning. Yeah, lots morning. of fun things will be yep. going on on Friday morning, so tune it in.
4: All right. So uh, Penny Marshall passed away yesterday. And, of course, all the morning shows had really great um, just interviews with her. Hoda yeah. and Kathy Lee had interviews. CBS showed interview, just talking about it. Um, a lot of the stories were, you know, just Rich with a lot of stuff, but it was like some of the stories, they were very long. So we, oh, yeah. we went they with were. the Today Show um, about just kind of... Talking about Penny Marshall as actress and director, to use the pun, in a league of her own. Here we go.
5: With a career filled with laughter, Penny Marshall made her dreams come true. Born in the Bronx as Carol Penny Marshall, she got her first taste of fame in the 1950s, dancing on programs like The Jackie Gleason Show. She shot to stardom on Laverne and Shirley, the 1970s sitcom about two blue-collar roommates working at a Milwaukee brewery. A show created by her brother, Gary Marshall. He said, I'm not
4: going to risk my career for yours, (laughs) but I'll open the door. But you
5: got to do it from then on in. After finding success on the small screen, Marshall took her talents behind the camera. Directing Tom Hanks in Big, becoming the first woman to ever direct a film that reached the $100 million mark at the box office. That trend continuing with a league of their own. Her life now being remembered by those who worked alongside her, including Tom Hanks, who tweeted, Goodbye, Penny. Man, did we laugh a lot. Wish we still could. Love you. Rosie O'Donnell saying she was absolutely heartbroken.
2: Part one. Part one. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep keep going. Yeah. All right, you got it.
5: Her Happy Days co-stars also remembering Marshall. Ron Howard tweeting, She made the transition from sitcom star to A-list movie director with ease and had a major impact on both mediums. And Henry Winkler saying she brought her own unique brand of humor to what was on the written page. Marshall's ex-husband, actor and director Rob Reiner, celebrating her gift for comedy, tweeting... I was very lucky to have lived with her and her funny bone. I will miss her. Actor David Lander played annoying upstairs neighbor Squiggy on the Vernon Shirley.
4: What amazed me was how intelligent she was. And um, that's why she was a good director.
5: Marshall also made history with Awakenings, becoming just the second woman to direct a Best Picture Oscar nominee. There's always something about
4: a a script that makes me, you know, that I could identify with. And if I feel if I've can identify other people can, hopefully.
5: An entertainer who never forgot where she came from, saying later in her life, I'll always be Laverne. Mm-hmm.
4: And she was born, the family name was Mascarelli. Mm-hmm. And they changed it to Marshall. But if you think about it, you know, Penny Marshall, two years ago, in the span of six months, she lost her brother and her best friend, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, yeah.
3: and I'm sure she was tight with Debbie Reynolds, too.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that... um Uh, I wanted to revisit from her 2012 memoir. She writes about it. The name of the book was called My Mother Was Nuts. Yeah. And I read it and Donnie got us just one copy. And it was um, so the story, though, that I want to share was that she, Penny Marshall, was introduced to Carrie Fisher in the late 70s by Lauren Michaels. And Paul, Gosh, that Lauren Michaels! Was I know one. he's a connector. I know, and Paul Simon, who was Carrie Fisher's then husband, and they thought that the two women women would hit it out off, and they were right. During their first meeting, Penny Marshall helped Carrie Fisher pack for a trip to the Caribbean and listened to her bitch about whether able she was able to keep up with Paul. She writes about this in their book, and she said, "Listen, Carrie Fisher was the funniest." woman and the smartest woman i ever met she was a one woman show 35 years before she did one in 1981 i almost called her laverne penny marshall and carrie fisher started celebrating their birthdays together carrie's birthday was october 21st penny marshall's october 15th and the parties quickly became the hollywood major event she said she writes in her book we alternated between our homes no invitations would go out Everyone would receive a phone call telling them the date and the time. A few days later, we would receive calls from people asking if they could come. Most guests were longtime friends like... Jack Nicholson, Mm -hmm. Angelica Houston, and Robin Williams. New people like Ben Affleck and Nicole Kidman were added every year. One year, David Bowie and Amon crashed. Mm. The food was a big draw. Carrie's housekeeper, Gloria, and her mom's longtime housekeeper, Mary, made fried chicken, meatloaf, mac and cheese, (laughs) and other um, southern staples. Barbara Streisand would also come to the parties, but she would always bug Carrie. I want to hire these ladies to cater a party, and Carrie wouldn't let her. I (laughs) love it. Because they were their house. So the parties happened. The parties stopped about 22 years later, so early 2000s. Oh, early 2000s, okay. She said they, in her book, My Mother Was Nuts, Mm -hmm. she said they became like the vanity parrot fair party after the Oscars it was too much and it was too expensive right. when you see Shaquille O'Neal and Salman Rushdie waiting for the cars at the end of your driveway you know things are out of control yes
3: oh what a funny analysis those I know two. yeah
4: and in an interview she gave in 2012 Carrie Fisher and Penny Marshall said they were trying to to recruit the budding A-list crowd to do a birthday one. And they were specifically targeting Marissa Tomei and Brittany Bur- Murphy because they both had December birthdays. Oh,
3: okay. They just needed you someone to carry it on
4: t- past the torch. Take take it over. Yeah, we, and they yes. never did. And, uh, and she just said, you know, we couldn't get them to do it. And it just became... Too much work right. and too much money, and then another book. Uh, she talks about in her book. Uh, Penny Marshall talks about dropping acid for the first time while shooting the Blues Brothers in Chicago. Carrie Fisher had a small role in that movie. And one night, were
3: they friends already? Cause yeah, that was in seventy eight.
4: Yeah, they were friends. They met in the early 70s. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay, I'm sorry. She said, one night, Carrie, Judy Belushi, and I took acid. It was my first time taking LSD. Same with Carrie. It seemed like the thing to do. We played pool for hours and took pictures of herself with a... Polaroid camera at a hole-in-the-wall bar that guys called the Blues Bars. We thought the cops there were extras from the movie, so we made no effort to hide our silliness, but they turned out to be real cops. And she said they did do LSD a couple more times after that, which led to the embarrassing incident in New York City when Carrie Fisher accidentally lit her fur coat on fire. She thought she was lighting a cigarette. (laughs) And when they finally staggered back to Paul Simon's apartment... Marshall remembered she was supposed to be on a date with Art Garfunkel. I had forgotten all about it, as happens when you're on acid all day. Oh, my word. And three decades after that that acid trip, they ingested something different when Marshall put on a lot of weight after having chemo and radiation. um, What
3: did she have cancer of?
4: For a brain tumor. And when she asked her doctor for help losing it, he said, how should I know? I'm a lung doctor. So she gave her. She gave Ooh. Carrie Fisher a call, and Carrie was the new celebrity endorsed spokesperson for Jenny Craig. Oh, I called my. her and I asked for some meals 30 years earlier. We dropped acid, now we were microwaving our Jenny meals. What had we become? Fat. <laughs> and in the book's acknowledgement, Penny Marshall thanks her family first, and then before her ex-husbands or her boyfriend, she thanks Carrie Fisher, mm. her friend and partner in crime for more than thirty years. We've lasted longer than all of our marriage marriages combined. Our crazy lives have meshed perfectly. We've always said it's because we never like the same drugs or men, but I know there's more to it.
2: Wow, good stuff. I know. So
4: Aww. that's a good uh, yeah. memoir, and she's. Very funny in it. It's laugh out loud. It's just she. Oh. She and you know I forget that she directed the Preacher's Wife. Yes, and mm-hmm. Whitney Houston. Uh, Finding or riding in cars with boys with Drew yes. Barrymore. That was out in two thousand and one. And anyway, well, and she and Cindy Williams did make up. They did yes, make up. And
3: yes, and did. what you know, Cindy Williams said is that when her contract was up, she had been on Laverne and Shirley for what was it, like six or seven years, and she had... Eight re- seasons. Eight season. She, she had, wasn't on the
4: eighth season. Yeah,
3: she recently got married. She was pregnant, and she thought she was going to come back, and they'd hide her behind benches, couches, right. pillows, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that. Yeah. When it came f- time for me to sign my contract, Cindy Williams said, uh, they had me working on my due date to have my baby, and I said, I can't sign this. It went back and forth and back and forth, and it just never worked out. They wanted her to time it out, and, oh, you know... Yeah. Have it be a part of the show, and she just, you know,
4: couldn't. Yeah, she was like her sister. She, yep. she never held it against Penny. And I guess Whoopi Goldberg asked her to direct Jumping Jack Flash to take over for a director she wasn't getting along with mm-hmm. in 1986. Mm-hmm. You remember that movie?
3: I like that movie.
4: Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so that's kind of a...
3: that's That's a... It's nice learning more about her. I mean, that is one of the nice things when people pass is you get to revisit their life. Their li-
4: I know it for And sure.
3: she um, sounded like she was full of spit and vinegar her whole life.
4: Yeah, Well, Hoda and Kathy Lee played a clip where they were talking to her and they said, what was one of your favorite episodes of Laverne and Shirley? And she said, we had a riot doing that show. She said, but I can't remember what it was called, but it was the episode we kept getting stuck in the Murphy bed. Oh, it, hysterical. <laughs> and then they showed <laughs> yep. the clip of it and mm. just how fun it was and blah, blah, blah.
3: And she oh. always wore those little uh, small glasses on yeah, yeah. the tip yeah. of her nose. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Her readers.
4: Re- red and blue. Yeah. And kept that gravelly voice. Yep. Anyway, um, and uh, I guess we got to go because we... It's time for the Dirt Alert. It's time for what? our birthday Dirt Alert Absolutely, from Holly Hollywood.
2: This is a My Talk Dirt Alert.
4: Totally, w- totally, Dirt, 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 dirt. All right, Holly. Hollywood is here with her birthday dirt alert. If I, if we ran the world, you know, everyone would have their birthday off. It would be I'd a national well. holiday.
0: I have the day off in my mind. Okay. in The process of my mind. So I appreciate that. And thank you so much for the birthday yeah. greetings. Uh, we're going to probably spend most of this dirt alert breaking down this open letter that Eliza Dushku has written in, uh, in retaliation, I would Ooh. say, uh, to the New York Times publishing a story last week about how CB handled her sexual harassment allegations now the story was that Eliza Dushku former co-star of the CBS hit show Bull uh, settled for over nine million dollars a sexual harassment lawsuit claim saying that she was written off the show after complaining about sexual harassment at the hands of the show's star Michael Weatherly and really that wasn't that she just paid out her contract yeah so it was she was uh signed up for a contract for almost six years yeah. potential, so she lost out on years of work, work as yeah. a result of being written off of this I show. I wonder if she's writing this because
4: of two he got two female co stars to write letters about Positive. how great he yeah, was. The girls, I'll bet um, you that just frosted her chaps oh, yeah. or whatever the scene is.
0: Well, here's what she says why she's writing what actually okay. happened. So she says, I feel compelled to chronicle what actually happened after the New York Times published a story about CB- how CBS handled my allegations. She said, I declined to be interviewed for that piece because I wanted to honor the terms of my settlement with the network. I was under the impression that Weatherly and Karen, who was the showrunner, uh, that would be Glenn Gordon Karen, uh, would also not respond to per our settlement. Instead, all commented to the Times and what amounted to more deflection, denial, and sp- been. Uh-huh. So since those yeah. guys commented to the New York Times, she's like, fine. Yeah. I'm going to tell yeah. you what actually happened uh-huh. here. Okay, good. I want to hear it. Well, f- okay, so here is uh, what she has to say. She was presented as being a co-lead on the show Bull. Okay, being The female co-lead. She was like, okay, that's fantastic. Uh, I will go ahead and I'm, I am have an option for up to six seasons on mm-hmm. this show, on CBS. She said CBS had been interested in working with her for quite some time. And uh, Michael Weatherly, let's Start with the harassment. Okay, she says, Eliza Dushku, that Michael Weatherly harassed me from early on. The tapes show his offer to take me to his quote rape van filled with all sorts of lubricants and long phallic things.
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: He said that to her. She said there was also his constant name calling, playing provocative songs like Barracuda on his iPhone when I approached my set marks, and his remarks about having a threesome. And those comments trickled down to other people on the set of bull and they would make comments about her uh, appearance all the time as it was caught on tape. She said, after I flubbed a line, Michael Le- Weatherly shouted in my face, I will take you over my knee and spank you like a little girl. Ah. Now, apparently this wasn't the first time that Michael Weatherly uh, exhibited uh, harassment like behavior on the set of bull there. Uh, the tapes that she had showed Weatherly routinely exclaiming yellow card yellow card being a a football thing, a soccer thing where you throw the yellow card in for a timeout, mm-hmm. basically. Is what oh, is that what it means? I'm looking look, at you. You're I'm reading lady. it
3: at the same time as you're telling it to me and I'm like, yes. I still don't know what the hell yellow card okay, means. Okay, well,
0: it's, it's a soccer thing. I'm soccer okay. Oh, okay, I'm like, Julia, you're the sports enthusiast. I know. So anyway, so that's what he would do. And Eliza Dushku says, I learned from a crew member that because he had been of previous harassment training on Bull, whether Leeds delighted in yelling yellow card was his way of mocking the very harassment training he was meant to. Uh, meant to be, you know. Oh, so yeah, I mean, meant he to was, keep him in line. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Weatherly had a habit of exaggerating, eyeballing, leering at me. Once he leaned into my body and inhaled, smelling me in a dramatic swoon, as was caught on tape. And after I flubbed a line, he shouted in my face. I, yeah, I said that already. Yeah. So it's really quite disgusting. Yeah. And he so, also bragged about his friendship with CBS chief executive Les Moonves. Exactly, and she says Eliza Dushku says that Michael Weatherly bragged about his relationship with Les Moonves as a way to manipulate yep. the situation, saying, "Look, I'm friends with the uh, the, the CEO head. of CBS.
3: Yeah. Don't say anything about that. Uh, we
4: vacation
0: together. We right. go on Les's yes. private mm-hmm. the CBS company jet. Oh my. Mm-hmm. And then she said, after weeks of enduring this, she said, "I was going to resolve this myself." She said to a- she to be her diplomatic best it wasn't easy for her but she went up to michael weatherly and said be my ally help ease the sexualized set comments The weatherly responded to me eliza no one respects women more than i do citing his many sisters and his professed history of being too respectful to women oh boy yeah. And then she left the trailer after that talk with Michael Weatherly, thinking mm-hmm. that maybe, hey, I cleared the air in a diplomatic fashion. She texted her manager and she said the following quote, I hope he actually received it well and I, and doesn't run back to the studio telling them to fire me, lol. Which is exactly what what he did. Michael Weatherly went to the showrunner, told him all about this. Apparently, after their conversation, uh, Weatherly was complaining that Eliza Dushku had a humor deficit. She couldn't take a joke. Mm -hmm. And so then Michael Weatherly doubled down, ratcheted up his retaliation, went to the showrunner, and the showrunner writ uh, Eliza Dushku off of the show. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and there was a moment... Where he just he's just nasty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's the thing. And the showrunner uh, got rid of Eliza Dushku's character without her consent. And then Eliza Dushku went to CBS and was like, "Hey, I this is not okay." And apparently, CBS had no idea what was going on. They thought, "Well, that's weird. We wouldn't uh, greenlight that kind of thing, right? You know, we want you to be on this show, and yeah. in, in fact, you're doing a fantastic job." She was like. Uh her q ratings or whatever yes people the audience that
4: has gotten older knew her from buffy yeah. yes yeah. yes yes and she She's, was a child star too yeah. she was in
0: true lies like, i remember right. that movie yes, with arnold yes. schwarzenegger well apparently uh, the showrunner said that michael weatherly was mm-hmm. simply exhibiting frat behavior yeah yeah and, and that's okay and that's okay adding what does eliza expect she was in maxim magazine Oh, my word. Yeah, this is the kind of harassment that she (sighs) faced. And she ultimately settled for $9.5 million earlier this year. And interestingly enough, so the production company behind Bull is Amblin Entertainment. Amblin Entertainment being the production company of Steven Spielberg. That's right. And Mm. uh, one of the terms of her settlement with CBS was that she have a personal face-to-face with Steven Spielberg. Really? And tell him about what was going on. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. And she points that out in this letter saying, you know, it's interesting that Steven Spielberg showed up on the red carpet of the Golden Globes earlier this year wearing a Time's Up button front and center. Time's Up being the anti-sexual harassment movement. Well, Mm -hmm. okay, Steven Spielberg, you say that you're all for this. You're giving this lip service. However, I want to meet with you and this is my sexual harassment settlement. What are you going to be doing about it? And I think she strategically points that out in this letter saying that perhaps there are a lot of people In Hollywood, giving the Me Too movement and Time's Up a lot of lip service, but when it comes down to it, and when you are suing for sexual harassment, and when your career is being affected by this, and the bottom line nobody's showing yeah. up
4: well it's so interesting it you know just this and yesterday you know we kind of had a hard time with the Karina longsworth she was not like i don't know not in she was our
3: author that we had on for her you books. must remember yeah. this but
4: sex lies in seduction, seduction in Hollywood or- howard uses Ho- hollywood but this pattern has been happening young beautiful women go to hollywood and I mean, it's just unbelievable how long they're used like, you know, tissues. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. You know, but- and the minute you speak up, the minute you try and have a voice, so people go along to get along because of all the dangly, the carrot. Right. I'm going to make you, this has just been going on forever. I'm so glad that she's she speaking responded. Out. I am too. People have already, like, uh, you know, she already has like uh, 8 million. Um, retweets and likes on that opinion piece.
0: You know what? It's definitely worth the full yeah. read. Go check it, it out. I it is. I just was reading it yeah. along with you and yes. it's amazing. Yes. And he
3: was he He did way. He was just a creep. We could not get yep. it all in in this dirt alert, yeah. but go read it
0: yourself. Thank you, Holly. Right, thank, thank you, you Holly, so
4: much when we come back. And then there was a scandal. Vintage scandal. It was great. Like the like the I
3: scandal. am shocked
5: at your behavior. I
4: really, really appreciate Radio Google. Paul out there in the Twitterverse, he uh, reminded us that Richard Madden, who we were going on and on about uh, in Bodyguard on Netflix, played Rob Stark.
3: Because you said he just disappeared after the Red Wedding, and I'm like, you No, know, he, get ki- he gets yeah. killed.
4: But Blade he was Rob, Rob Stark, Stark, so he had a big Stark. role. Not yeah, right big remember. role. Big role. But he looks so different. He does. He looks so different. He does, Laurie. The hair. He you does, know, you you're know, right. He's cleaned up. You mm-hmm. would never know he's the same actor. Okay, so for today's vintage scandal, the headline is, Everybody was getting laid. Hollywood's queen of 1980s night. Life tells all to the Hollywood Reporter.
3: Imagine that headline would grab your brain. Like, everybody's us. getting laid. Come okay. on
4: and hear about it. So, um, in 1985, a private membership only nightclub on the corner of Ellie's Rampart Boulevard and West Temple Street called Helena's opened. It was operated by an actress and belly dancer oh, She's I read still this. alive yes. <laughs> called Helena Kale- Kalenotes. It's Greek. I'm saying yes. it wrong, I'm sure. People would remember her from 70s movies. She was in Five Easy Pieces. Uh, She played a crazy hitchhiker. Anyway, Helena's was a huge hit, this nightclub, in the then gang-ridden east side, in part because Helena counted Jack Nicholson as a friend and investor. He was there every Friday Friday. Helena was also close to Madonna, Sean Penn, of course, Angelica Houston being Jack's girlfriend, Harry Dean Stanton and Marlon Brando. They were all charter members and frequent guests. Mm-hmm. Helena planned Harry Dean Stanton's funeral. Right. and print out there, year. too, by the yes. way. I'm getting okay, to okay. it. Okay. Try not to read along right. uh, I just story. wanted to see if, what she looked like. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I Gorgeous. recognize her. Gorgeous. Yeah, I totally recognize her. So it wasn't a roaring success because it had huge stars there. It was where huge stars could hang out, dance, drink, misbehave at a time before the Internet, smartphones, and also... I mean, basically, that ended Hollywood's Anything Goes Nightlife. Helena's thrived because she had a no photography rule that was enforced like a biblical law. She was the proprietress and who wasn't, you know, some hospitality conglomerate Mm -hmm. who wanted to get it out there. She was the Hollywood Reporter called her a once in a generation. Oh, she's never talked publicly about her club since it's um, it was only open six years. But it was open four years longer than Studio 54. Right. And um, she's now 80. She resembles an older Greek, Elizabeth Taylor, only in cut-off denim shorts, a tank top, and kitten heels (laughs) for the interview. And she opened the club after she took over the lease for a studio. She was teaching folk and belly dancing. She hired Marlon Brando's son, Christian later convicted of manslaughter to do the iron work on the railing. He was a welder. Marlon would come every night to see his son's work, and he started doing construction. I had a license to open, but I refused to because he was there all the time. I had the front door. She said she knew if her friend Marlon would stop Wait. showing up when the public arrived. Mm-hmm. So she liked having him there. And she said, and then one time I didn't lock the door, and Madonna, who would practice dance, said, Helena? Turn around slowly. Helena turned around and people poured in. It poured in. She said it was like sardines on the dance floor. Ooh. She said, ever since then, I had to work the door and I decided to make it a members only club. Okay. Yep. And because she had huge success among the Hollywood crowd as a co-host of this weekly roller skating event called the Skateaway at Reseda Park. <laughs> um A rink, I guess. The membership waiting list for Helena's quickly grew to 2,000 people. Membership was 500 to 3,000. Okay. Some of the members in the beginning, Michael Douglas, Joni Mitchell, the Pointer Sisters, Meryl Streep, Barbara Streisand, directors Catherine Bigelow, Gus Van Sant, Um, lawyers and agents were not welcome because they bothered people she made her own agent who was also Jack Nicholson's rep work the coat room Hmm. he only came once Um, (laughs) uh, uh, Angelica Houston described the scene one time Prince on the dance floor Paul Getty in his wheelchair doing circles Sean Penn punching someone over Madonna people being themselves it just happened that everyone there was really famous And director John Huston, Angelica's father, drew a sketch of Helena that became the menu cover. And um, she shared the the building with a Scientology office, Mm -hmm. sat across the street from a Salvadoran church, and a police station. And they just the cops just initially turned a blind eye to all the Ferraris and limos choking the parking lot until she felt compelled to lease a lot to. To so several blocks, blocks away. A couple blocks away and get a valet service. Okay. Um, her manager is quick to say he was number 33 on the uh, roster, like it's a Facebook ranking. Yep. He was the 33rd. He said, Helena's was like Elaine's in New York. It wasn't like Studio 54 where you just had to have good shoes. And Helena said, I hate choosing people by their clothes. Virginia Madsen, Member Virginia Madsen oh, she well, was in wow. studio. she, so she said, it was the first time I ever saw a Velvet Rope Situation, bodyguards out front in the list. Helena would pick who would come in. Somehow she would know if a person just wanted to meet a famous guy and they wouldn't allow them in. Mm-hmm. Not that there wasn't network. I think I think somebody once said Helena's where every dance is a career move. Um hmm. and Justine Bateman, who enjoyed oh. Poetry Night, Jason's sister yes. on Wednesdays, along with Robert Downey Jr., said it was like It was so beautiful inside. It was like you walked into a magazine. All the lighting was pink. Oh, fantastic. Everyone looks good in that lighting. Yeah, Helena's was white, two-floor space with a lobby, DJ booth. George Michael played music there for six months, a bar and a 2,000-square-foot dance floor. And it was decorated with Helena's belly dancing costume of gold coins that was in a big case. Cool. And an adjacent 20-table dining room had a huge fireplace and a retractable roof and it was technically a supper club it didn't have a dance license and for years all it served was oysters greek garlic pasta and a houston specialty a flourless chocolate cake Tort? oh nummy. and the beer and wine list expanded to include spirits when someone expected uh oh john houston wanted tequila and then the word got out, and then I used to give away bottled water free, and then Jack Nicholson came in and said, Helena, charge them for the water. They can afford it. Absolutely. So she would seat people she thought should sit together. Oh, how fun. Yeah. she'd say, They'd say to me, I can't sit next to so-and-so because we're having a lawsuit, but by night and she, things Everyone would be mended. Was, yeah. And uh, a manager, this Lori Rodkin who managed – Robert Downey Jr., while he was dating Sarah Jessica Parker okay. and Sarah Jessica Parker. Okay. And a host of Brat Packers like Demi Moore and Rob Lowe. Sure. Remembers the presence of rock stars Bernie Topham with Elton John, yes. Ron Stewart and his wife Alana. Ellen Barkin lost a diamond bracelet down the toilet that they never got out. And Helena's was the the best place to table hop. It was an intimate. Dinner Club for the Hollywood Elite.
3: Can you imagine how much people just miss having a place to be anonymous? Yeah. Because you can't be anonymous with those damn phones. Yeah, exactly. No well, one like, there are
4: places, that though. That you have to turn the it Chateau in. Chateau Marmont.
3: Yeah, not and you there's take a picture. those buy-only clubs that we went the to. The Soho Houses. Club. and
4: The Four Seasons is not happy. They yeah. don't want you taking pictures. But her various bands... Um, Like The artist Ed Rushka designed a no-press-no-camera sign that was later stolen was thwarted only twice that she could remember in her recounting. Once by notorious paparazzo Ron uh, Galila, the one who always went after Jackie Onassis. Mm -hmm. He electrocuted himself trying to take a picture through a window. And another time a fired (laughs) waiter attempted revenge by taking photos of the guest, Sean pen chased him to the street and pulled the film from the camera imagine that um she claims no drugs were allowed but melanie griffith recalls the place differently it was so much fun it was the thing to do to dance hang out at elena's and do drugs rita wilson concurs everybody was coked out and everybody was getting laid Um, And one of the less scandalous highlights that took place before the club even opened was Jack Nicholson renting a baby elephant (laughs) for a birthday party.
1: Wow. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple mm, Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm what flavor are you holding now open your eyes and check out snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful snapple near you
3: look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do i even say other than hey (sighs) well that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now.
4: Jellica Houston is on and off girlfriend for 17 years, only for the guests to see it urinating for five straight minutes on the dance floor.
3: Oh, Ah. five minutes. Yeah.
4: She also one time mistakenly turned away Prince. I, I... I said, I despise royalty. No way can they get in ahead of everybody else. When she realized her mistake, she gave... That's so funny. I despise royalty just because his name is Prince. Okay, that's funny. Yeah, she wouldn't let Adnan Khashoggi, the arms dealer in. He offered $10,000 on the spot. She said no. But when she realized that it was Prince, someone said that's Prince, she said he was so gentle and well-mannered. He had a table every Friday. He drank only water used to bring his father in, who was short as Prince. Mm. And Rosanna Arquette recalls the time that Prince's bodyguard told me, Prince wants to dance with you. I told him, well, he can ask me myself. Oh, I love that. He did, and he put on, had him play the song Kiss. Okay, that's kind of... That's really cool. Isn't that so? Anyway, the story is in The Hollywood Reporter. She met Jack Nicholson through the Five Easy Pieces writer Carol Eastman who was a Greek village uh, regular. She played poker once a week with Nicholson when he had absolutely no money. He'd bring a sock with penny in it, pennies in it. He'd done nothing but Roger Corman movies.
2: Yeah, that's true.
4: And um, she was in the 1968 Monkeys movie Head. Yeah, she was. She was a yes. belly dancer yep. and she was the swaggering hitchhiker. She later got a Golden Globe nomination in 1973, for playing a roller derby captain opposite Raquel Welch in Kansas, Kansas City, City Bomber, yeah. I remember it. So <laughs> anyway, uh, she was married to the father knows best actor uh, Billy Gray, and oh yeah, um, he
2: was Bud on that show. He was the
4: cute one of the kids. Yes, yeah. yes, he was the oldest son. And she, um, you know, she kind of platonically lived. With Jack Nicholson, it just sort of was an arrangement. He had this big empty house, yeah. platonically. He said, Buy some furniture, just do some stuff. And she just kind of bit, became his unofficial hostess um, for like five years. And then she moved next door when Angelica Houston moved in, came along, well, came
3: along. and okay. was jealous
4: of Helena, didn't realize that there was nothing romantic right. uh, to do. So, anyway, it's a real, real. Interesting story, and I,
3: I, I love it. It's Thank a, you. Yeah, the it's Hollywood a good one.
4: Reporter. Everyone was getting laid.
3: Yeah. <sighs>
4: Everybody, thanks for hanging, <laughs> for, uh, Julie, Thank never- for hanging out for us. Uh yes. Thank you for hanging out for us. Thanks yes. for yes, keeping the good.
3: dial oh, on man. My Talk 1071. Today feels like it's midnight.
4: Well, I, I woke up at 3 20 and yeah. then I fell back asleep at like 4 45 when Casey got up only for my alarm to ring at 541. And I was You know how sometimes like when you wake up like I wake up every night to pee, but I can always fall right. I just sort of stumble pee sure. stumble I, Yeah, of yeah. course. But I laid in bed thinking about something that was bugging me. Yes. And then it gnawed at my brain and it mm-hmm. wouldn't let me go back to sleep. And one of it was, Oh my gosh, did I there were two people I was wondering do I have presence in the present bin? Ben yep. for them. That was you know, and then something else was anyway. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm like, I don't know I don't know how these early birds do it. I have no idea. You know, like, people who, like, have their well, clocks, they wake up at 4.45, yeah. well, like, 5 you know, o'clock, like Casey. Right. No wonder he wants to go to bed at 10 Well, look o'clock. at Jason
3: and Alexis in the oh, morning Well, show. that's a
4: completely different... But that is a morning that's, But that's an anomaly because they have to get up at, like, 3.30. Oh. That's not anybody's natural Yeah, but wake no up wonder time.
3: Casey wants to go to bed. I know. Yeah. My ex said the same kind of early, early clock. clock. Early to
4: rise, early to bed. And your mom said he's always been that way. Yeah. She said he, yeah, she said. I trained
3: my body to sleep in to uh, 7.30.
4: Yeah, very nice. Even eight. Okay,
3: favorite. Nine o'clock today. Favorite (laughs)
4: headline today. You forgot to tell us about it, but Donnie posted it. Celebrities dressed as bows. Oh, and they're so cute. Those are some of the cutest. It's like, is it the fashion all from 2018 where people had bows on? Yes, Yes. it's very. From Rihanna to Lady Gaga. Super fun. Uh, Also, um, we posted this. uh, We love this movie, Where'd You Go? Or this book, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, by Maria Semple. Several years ago, that book came out. Maria Semple, Google her, Donnie. Her dad was somebody famous. Oh, he was? Yes, yes okay. in the TV business. And Maria Semple, we posted the trailer and we were very excited about this because we heard Kate Blanchett was oh, yeah. cast in it and Kristen Wiig. It's got a
3: very... People will recognize the cover. It's a woman looking through... Binoculars.
4: Yes, and it takes place in Seattle, mm-hmm. and um, the husband is played by Billy Crudup, and mm-hmm. Maria Semple's dad was a famous TV guy. Yeah, yep. he
2: was a screenwriter. Yes. That's what he would do. For did. what
4: TV shows? Because uh, I remember boy, she told he us about it. goes way
2: back. He even did Batman. He wrote Three Days of the Condor. Great oh, movie. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Parallax View with uh, uh, Shirley McLean's brother. Warren,
4: Warren, Beatty. Beatty. Warren Beatty, I think, mm-hmm. was in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and she also, so she and I remember when she was on, because she was a TV writer for Ellen, Mad About You, Suddenly Susan. She was a producer so on Arrested Development. So she just had this idea about this quirky, eccentric woman and her daughter and her husband and Antarctica and everything. Now I looked at the trailer and I thought. Okay, this just looks like a quirky, weird movie. Nothing about it is triggering the book except for the Seattle skyline because she does live. Right. Bernadette does live in Seattle. And then Seattle. I was asking you, what is it even about? I, and I, It's a really hard plot to yeah. explain, okay? It. But it's a quirky, funny novel and it was on a lot of people's best of lists. What year did it come out? 2012.
2: Oh, the book itself?
4: Yeah, 2011, I, I something like that. that. It's been a while. It's been a mm-hmm. while. So Maria Semple... Was not involved in the process in the movie, even though she's got this TV background. Her dad's this big TV. Well, whoever movie guy.
3: optioned it wanted to have their own people, obviously.
4: Well, yeah, but I mean, like Gillian Flynn, look what she did with Girl on Broadway. But Gondol whoever and optioned Sharp. that wanted yeah. her
3: involved. Right? Well,
4: here's one person said she does not like it. She is absolutely dismayed with the uh, director Richard Linkletter. And he wrote that about a boy.
3: That long... Yeah, he's
4: a good director, as far as I knew.
3: Well that that movie was so boring. With Ethan Hawke the... and Patricia yes. Arquette yeah. about yeah. the boy, it was yeah. so yeah. boring. I was anyway, so
4: bored. she was <laughs> she was invited in to help in the editing stage to fix the movie when it didn't turn out with the first cut. Kate Blanchett was on Maria Semple's side and tried to do what she could as an actress to make the film salvageable in the edi- editing. Um, but she has been telling people she is not happy with how different the movie is mm, from, from the book. her book. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, she, she could have been involved in the adapting process. She could have just helped navigate because she comes from that yep. world. But um, it, Bernadette comes from Anna Perna, a studio that's in some kind of trouble. I guess there's been all these executive. Turnovers Changes. people leaving, All which right. is never a good sign. And then they dump two movies the Roger Ailes biopic, and then oh. a movie produced by Jennifer Lopez. A room because they are like supposedly having a financial problems. Yep. So somebody took over the Roger Ailes. Yes, Ales. I remember
3: reading about this uh, production company. Yes. Yeah.
4: So anyway, uh, where'd you go? Bernadette has been going rounds of testing and being adjusted depending on audience responses, which is not unusual, but rarely helpful as test audiences are not always on the ball. Mm-hmm. But the production's having trouble. The studio's having trouble. And when I watch this trailer, it speaks nothing about the book. That I loved so much. Mm-hmm. I don't recognize yeah, anything about six years ago. The book <laughs> was it six? So, yeah, that's what I thought. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, it's you can take a look at it if you read the book, but don't get your because
3: you were out. so excited about that. I rem- I I remember you saying the book is so great, and I still have the book. Because everyone said it was so great that it's on my list to read. Yes. At some point in my life. It's just quirky yeah, and everyone funny loved and it. rich characters. about Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Yeah, Where'd You yeah. Go,
4: Bernadette and blah, blah, blah. So Lori, blah, blah. 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 And blah. blah. Now, did you hear Miley Cyrus covering Ariana Grande's No Tears Left to Cry? No, no, we're going to have to hear it tomorrow because our show is over. It is over. It is all over. It is all over, but the, but for the crying, which we're going to do. And the do. fat lady hasn't, sound hasn't like. sung. Hasn't <laughs> sung. That's right. Oh, there she goes.
3: There, there she goes. All right, everyone have a good day. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out with us.
5: Job done. Off you go.